This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to you. We come to you from Liberty State Park in beautiful New Jersey, overlooking Manhattan, to tell you about an election day that is not over. Andy McCarthy will talk about the litigation that's sure to follow because everything was so close. The president did exceedingly well in Florida. Also locked up Ohio, is currently leading in Georgia, leading in uh, North Carolina, leading in Michigan. His lead has just disappeared barely by percentage points over in Wisconsin. And Nevada, he's in within just one point. But so far, electorally, there's a lot of confidence on the Biden team. They think they have a path, and they think they've won. They say this is uh, this is it. It's a um, they're moving to the conclusion that this thing is going in our favor in Wisconsin. We're confident we have won. Expect to be called this morning in Michigan. We have the insurmountable. Uh, uh, VBM lead, a voter by mail lead, and expected to be called midday. In Pennsylvania, we feel confident. We expect Philly VBM to drop tonight. Now, listen, in in Pennsylvania, he's trailing 55 to 43. I'm looking close at those ballots. At the very least, if you're in within 0.5 in Michigan, if you're within a point in Nevada, in Wisconsin, percentage points away. In North Carolina, you still lead. Joe Biden thinks he won. Let's go to Mark Thiessen. You know Mark. Uh, Mark is a Fox News contributor, former chief presidential speechwriter for Bush, contributor to the Washington Post. Mark, what a night. First off, the billion dollars the Democrats spent to widen their lead in the House, take the Senate and the presidency, uh, of this has blown up in their face. They lost seats in the House, it looks like, including a leadership shot. And they also, slot I should say, and they also uh, didn't get anywhere really except maybe a seat or two in the Senate. Mark, your perception. That, that is the uh, big untold story of the night. I mean, they needed basically to win three seats plus the White House uh, in order to take back the Senate. Uh, then we wanted, we picked up a seat in Alabama, which made it where they needed to win four. They picked up Colorado. They picked up Arizona. But the Republicans held on in North Carolina, uh, in Iowa, in Montana, in Georgia. Um, and looks like Susan Collins is holding on in Maine. Uh, the, that all holds. And, and we still don't know uh, what's happening uh, as of this morning. I haven't checked the latest on, uh, on uh, Michigan um, but uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get the majority. That is super important because let's say the worst happens and Biden overcomes the, the Trump lead in these states and wins the, the presidency. They are not going to have a majority in all likelihood in the Senate, which means they can't get rid of the filibuster. They can't pack the courts. Uh, they can't pass the Green New Deal. They can't pass uh, a lot of socialist spending. Uh, the Republicans will be able to block them, and Biden is going to have to uh, compromise. Uh, so that that is the most important result from last night because that's our fi- that's the, the red firewall against socialism right there. So before we get into the numbers 
uh, with you, Mark, and we'll go over it. Because, you know, the, if you go to foxnews.com, you could actually see these tallies being totaled, and you see the t- it's live. So on those yep. areas. Let's talk about this in the big picture. They put a billion dollars uh, against the Republicans and Donald Trump, that unpopular president, that unpopular illegitimate president, that only won because James Comey decided to uh, reinvigorate the lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. He only won because the Russians hacked in. Only won because Hillary Clinton's emails became an issue. Only won because of outside help. Remember that? He's an illegitimate president. That's the only reason he was able to pull off this inside straight and get this victory over the last four years. So they try to impeach him. They have a two-year Mueller report, and then they come up and blame him for the death of 220,000 people with this pandemic. And still he takes Ohio. Still he takes Florida and leading those other states. What does that tell you about what the American people feel about what the media is jamming down their throats? And by the way, they, they painted him for five years as an anti-Hispanic bigot, and it was Hispanic voters in, in Florida that put him over the top. Um, so, you know, they, they, they don't uh, they don't feel that way. I mean, look, the couple things. One, I mean, I'll, I'll say what I said on on uh, Fox Network last night during the uh, at the start of the night and at the end of the night. Uh, there is no way that Donald Trump should have even been in this race. We've had the worst pandemic since 19 and just in 2020, the worst pandemic since 1918, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst racial unrest since the 1960s. He's, he's the president of the country when this is all happening. By all uh, rights, he ought to he ought to have not even been in the race, uh, considering just what's happened, um, because that people don't tend to get reelected in those situ- situations. His base is the most loyal base of any president in American history. If you look at uh, some of the some of the data that uh, that showed like presidential approval ratings and they overlay Trump's approval over George W. Bush's approval over Barack Obama's. It's like a straight line, and the other guy's approvals are all zigzags going up and down. Like he never, he never rose over fifty percent, but he never dropped to really under forty percent. Right? He is just, it's the it's the most steady approval rating of any president, which means he's got this great loyal base that absolutely loves him, stood by him no matter what. the The reason this election is so close um, is because uh, Donald Trump failed to build on that base. He may still win this, and I hope he wins it. I'm pulling for him. But he failed to reach out and focus on winning over people who were doing better, who were benefiting from his policies, uh, and, and, and in fact, actively alienated a lot of them through his, through his behavior and through his words. I did a column right before the election uh, talking about how if you put the mute button on the Trump presidency, it's the great, one of the greatest conservative presidencies of my lifetime. Just look at the list of things that he's accomplished in office. It's, if I had told any never-Trump Republican, taking the name off the, off the guy and just said, in 2015, we're going to elect a president who's going to do all this, look at this list, peace in the Middle East to killing Baghdadi and, and ISIS, uh, to the first tax reform since Ronald Reagan, everybody would have signed up, right? But he he actively he he did not work to build and expand his base and win over people who uh, who uh, who didn't support him to begin with. Um, that first debate uh, where something like almost 80 million people tuned in, I think a lot of Americans who uh, the, the, the I, I call them the reluctant Trump voters. So in 2020, about 20 percent of his electorate voted for him, even though they didn't like him. Um, in this election, right. if you look, 56 percent of the, of the electorate said I'm better off now than I were, was four years ago, but only 44 percent were voting for him. There's this gap of voters who like Donald Trump's policies and don't like him. That first debate 
they looked at him and they said, I can't take four more years of this, some of them. And and instead of winning them, he repelled them. And so this race actually was much more winnable. And, you know, that that if he if he doesn't if he doesn't uh, hold on to those leads, if he doesn't get a second term, that's why. Here is uh, President last night as he sees that the we have not called us or anybody else have called Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina and Wisconsin. Uh, here he uh, here's what he was saying at the end of the night. Cut five for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? He's he's clearly worried about the Attorney General of Pennsylvania who guaranteed the Democrats would win Pennsylvania, and people are really worried about ballots that could turn up without a postmark saying they were mailed before November 3rd in Pennsylvania, and he was outraged the minute he heard the Supreme Court punted on this decision. But do you think that's a good tactic for him to use the word fraud? Uh, no, it's not yet. Look, first of all, he's right, in the, especially about Pennsylvania. Now, they said that they're, they're going to let people who vote, who vote, whose votes arrive after Election Day to vote. They're, if, the, if the postmark is smudged, they're going to presume that it, was, that it was correct. I mean, all that's ridiculous. So without a doubt, litigate that. And I think and Andy McCarthy, I'm sure, will explain the, the legal intricacies of that. They should, he's right when he says we should stop voting. Uh, because election day is over, but not that we should stop counting votes. What's happening, which I, I think it's hard for hard for a lot of people to understand what's happening. The Democrats voted overwhelmingly by mail and by absentee, and Republicans voted overwhelmingly in person. Our Fox voter analysis showed that Democrats, uh, the, that election day voters, Trump won overwhelmingly, about six in 10 votes. In the in the early voting, Democrats won that. Biden won that overwhelmingly by about six and ten votes. Those are national numbers, so we don't know how that affects each individual state. And a lot of these states uh, count the uh, election day votes first, and then go to the absentee ballot. So Trump had a huge lead in these states because they were counting the election day votes, but they hadn't yet counted the absentee ballots and the and the mail-in ballots and the early votes. And that's why it's tightening now because they're counting those. Um, and so it's a question of whether he, he, his lead on Election Day was big enough uh, to hold on uh, to hold on or whether those are going to overcome it. It's simple math. Um, in Pennsylvania, it's not simple math because you've got these crazy uh, this, these crazy uh, efforts to extend the vote and to allow, the, as we said, allow votes that came in after Election Day to be counted. And, you know, he should litigate that and he should make sure that every legal vote is counted, but no illegal or uh, uh, illegitimate votes are counted. That simple. Yeah, that would certainly help. So they're going to probably challenge in all these uh, states that have 1%, and they're going to see if they can get it by hand. Who wouldn't want to challenge that? This guy did 14 states in 72 hours. You know how hard he works, and you know what what headwinds he had as a president. On your question on John James, uh, as of now, he had a pretty significant lead to start the day, but they in Michigan were counting the absentee ballots second. They did the day of ballots, unlike Florida, First, so John James has forty nine point three eight. Gary Peters, the incumbent, forty eight point seven six. So we are really wow. tight over there. With um, with it doesn't really give me the percentage that is voting so far. But if it's, I would say, 
Yeah, it does not give the percentage that I see that's voting. But uh, we're climbing up there, so we have to see what, what districts it is because John James could be pull another upset. Uh, we know that uh, Tommy Tuberville was able to get the seat out of uh, Alabama. I think one of the yep. biggest stories, Joni Ernst and Susan Collins, if they hold on. Yes. Because if you repudiate the president, if you're upset with Republicans, you don't put all – you don't leave Tom Tillis in office. You don't give Purdue over 50 percent of the vote. You take the – the $109 million thrown at Lindsey Graham, and you oust him because he's too associated with Donald Trump. Instead, Graham wins convincingly again. In fact, here is Lindsey Graham uh, last night. Cut 24. The other purpose I have is to make sure that every conservative in South Carolina understands this. I will do everything I can to stop the radical agenda coming from Nancy Pelosi's house. So, Speaker Pelosi... If you enact the agenda you're talking about, we're going to bury it in the Senate because it's bad for America. So you will have, you know, you will have some power, White House or not, and Graham's going to be motivated. He he signed up for the conservative movement and he won. Absolutely. The best thing ever happened to him was Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, He was able to preside over those hearings. Americans looked at that and said, you know, we want to keep that guy in, in power. It's that simple. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, if we again, the, thank God the Republicans confirmed her before the election. Thank God that Donald Trump uh, nominated her. Thank God that the Senate, uh, we had the control of the Senate, that they could get her on the court. And now if we've held on to the Senate, that means there's going to be no court packing, uh, even if Joe Biden. Wins. But, um, Mark, I'm so glad important. to start this hour with you. But I do want to end saying this is not over. Especially the uh, the Biden team is going to look to declare it over. Uh, if you saw Trump last night, I played you a little bit. He's not looking to bow. Uh, uh, let, let it be over. He's got lawyers that are going to go to all these tight states to make sure this is on the up and up. And I, I look back. If you are to look at a state that flipped, it's Arizona. It's clearly Biden is the only one that's flipped yeah. so far. So far. And think about uh, Cindy McCain. Thought it was important enough to uh, get back at Donald Trump and allow her state, or where the McCains live, to go to a Democrat rather than let Donald Trump uh, be, uh, have the, the White House for another four years. Yep. That, that is true, but also keep in mind that Donald Trump is the author of a lot of his own problems. There were, there were, the, last night, there were 5% of the electorate that switched that decided their vote on, uh, on Election Day. Um, and that, that's, uh, if 5% of the electorate, that doesn't seem like a lot. But in, in, a, in a historic electorate of 160 million voters, that's 8 million votes. And he won in 2016 by 88,000 votes. Those are the reluctant Trump voters. Those are people who, who just couldn't they, – they, they liked what he was doing, but, they could, but they, they, the chaos was just too much for him. The, the fighting with the reporters at the press briefing, the first, the first debate. Um, if he, you know, if he could just, his base was going to come out for him no matter what. He needed to win those people over, and he didn't make the effort to do that, and that's why he's in trouble today. All right, so uh, Mark, thanks so much. Thanks for your analysis. We'll look forward to seeing how this unfolds today, and maybe get a winner by tomorrow. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. That's Mark Thiessen. When we come back, your turn. What is your perception? How did you vote? Uh, what do you think about the battleground states that are still up in the air? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from. Beautiful Liberty State Park in New Jersey. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... 
Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. North Carolina, big victory with North Carolina. And so we won there. We lead by 76,000 votes with almost nothing left. And all of a sudden, everything just stopped. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. And that was the president last night, about 2.30, excuse me, probably, hmm, it was probably 2.30 in the morning. I was on my way uh, to work at that time, and he came out and he said, listen, I can't believe what's happening. They're not giving me Georgia. They're not giving me North Carolina. I'm way up in Michigan, and I'm way up in Wisconsin. The problem was they didn't do, according to reports we get from these states, they weren't counting the, they weren't counting the absentee ballots. So now they started and it started closing up, and now they're too close to call. Wesley, listen, WPTF in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Hey, Wesley. Wesley? Uh, let's, let's move on to Andy. Listen, on WDBO in Florida. Andy? Yeah, Brian, uh, you can't tell me that all the support we've been seeing behind Donald Trump, I mean, massive numbers to Joe Biden's known numbers in these key states, that uh, it's this close. There's no way it's this close. I don't think the American people can see it this close. The uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, they happen to have Democrat governors who are holding up things. And you have the governor and attorney general in Pennsylvania already declaring that Donald Trump will not win the state. I, I heard that, and that it that just shows how unprofessional and ridiculous he is. And and I'll say this: it is close. I don't know who's going to win, but it is close. So it is. I mean, it, you have the whole Democratic Party who just propped up a candidate to take on Donald Trump. They say two thirds of the people went to the polls because of Donald Trump. Sixty-seven million people cited Donald Trump as the main reason they went to the polls: love him or hate him. So we'll get to more of your calls in just a second, 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, what legal approach does the president have? 
So we want to make sure at the very least as a country that you want to make sure that you actually lost that state. So we're going to talk to Jonathan Turley, too, at some point, I hope. But uh, we're going to talk to Andrew McCarthy next. Andrew McCarthy on how you go about doing that. How you go and get a recount in a timely fashion while the nation gets hung up and the markets get tense. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you on election the day after. Don't move. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Let's be clear. Votes are still being counted. Stepping in right now and saying, let's stop counting votes would be the equivalent of like a baseball game where you've just played the top of the ninth inning and the visiting team says, you know what? It's not fair that the home team gets a last bat here in the bottom of the ninth. We're calling the game. It's over. We're not playing the last half of the ninth inning. That's just not the way the rules work. So you can't just say we're not going to allow the rest of the votes to be counted. Because everybody has new rules, and these states going through rulings are allowed to, in Pennsylvania's case, count for a couple of days, maybe more, ballots that don't even have to be post-dated before November 3rd. And the Supreme Court punted on this, and now, as Andy McCarthy forecasted, we could end up back there. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Brian Kilmeade Show at beautiful Liberty State Park in New Jersey. Andy McCarthy joins us now. Andy, that was Dan Abrams. He's making sense. The president should not ask to stop voting. In some cases, it could help him. Uh, like Florida, for example, but in a case where you have day of game vote and then they can't, then they start count, uh, counting the the mail in ballots. That's a different story. Yeah, you know, Brian, there's a lot of uh, confusion now about the way people are talking, and I'm not suggesting that Dan is trying to confuse things, but there's a big difference between voting and counting. So let's just like preliminarily get that straight. Okay. The what the the state legislature in Pennsylvania, the law says that ballots have to be received uh, by the boards of election by November 3rd at 8 p.m. That's last night when the polls closed. Um, There's no voting that's allowed after that. Uh, No legitimate voting. The question is what can be counted? So under the state law, what can be counted is only what's received by last night at eight o'clock. The problem is the state Supreme court extended that deadline from November 4th to November 6th. So their deadline is Friday at the close of business at, at 5 PM. That in theory permits ballots that arrive late to be counted, but it's not supposed to authorize anyone to vote after eight o'clock last night. The problem is the way that they extended it and the presumption that they made the state authorities uh, accept is that if a ballot comes in between today and Friday and it doesn't have a postmark or it has an illegible postmark, they have to pretend that it came in on or before November 3rd. So that's the that's the opening for fraud. But as a matter of law, no one is allowed to vote anymore. The voting is over. The question is what ballots get counted. 
So the Supreme Court had this issue. What did they do? Uh, they wouldn't decide it. And I think, you know, what they did, Brian, was they made a big bet, which, as we discussed, you know, over the, over the last couple of weeks, was a very dangerous bet to make. They hoped that they could dodge this bullet entirely. In other words, basically, they said, we don't want to touch this before the election. And they were figuring or maybe hoping, I don't know, I don't want to read their minds, but what they were calculating was that the election would be so one-sided one way or the other that Pennsylvania wouldn't matter and that we could elect a president without the Supreme Court having to be involved in the case at all. And I think that was irresponsible for the court to do, but to, to, to put it in the court's best light, I think Chief Justice Roberts uh, and the other justices are worried about two things, and these are not frivolous worries. I don't think they're a good excuse for not doing your job, but they're not frivolous worries. Number one, they don't want to be seen as picking the president, and I think that's all the more reason why they should have grappled with this before the election rather than waiting till after. And secondly, they know that uh, the Democrats made a big to-do during uh, Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings that she should recuse herself and that Bush was putting her on the court to, as his ace in the hole to decide the election for him. So he, they don't want to have her in particular, I think, be put in the position of potentially being the fifth vote that decides an election case and feeds into the whole narrative that Trump right. put her on the court to decide the election, especially when the Democrats were threatening to pack the court. Here's the problem. Pennsylvania looks like it's, you know, Trump's in the driver's seat and some of those absentee ballots are in counties he's winning. So it's not as if it's all Philadelphia. He's up 55.7 to 43.1. And then I'm sure that if that overturns, the the Trump team's going to challenge that. In Georgia, he's up by a point. Uh, In Michigan, he is up 0.5. In North Carolina, he's up by two full points. In Wisconsin, he's now trailing because they're doing the absentee ballot counting. He's down by one in Nevada. If you're a member of the Trump legal team, what do you do? What do you tell the president you can do for him? I go in today and I bring with me Justice Alito's uh, statement that he made on uh, in the form of an opinion last Thursday. It was October 28th. I think that was Thursday, um, which was joined in by Justice Thomas and Justice Gorsuch. And what Alito says in that opinion is uh, the, the Republicans are on firm footing. It looks like what the state Supreme Court did in Pennsylvania is illegal. And even though the Supreme Court was not agreeing to expedite the case such that they could decide it before Election Day, Alito said we could still expedite it after Election Day. And therefore, he wanted Pennsylvania to segregate the votes so that if the court decides they shouldn't count, they won't count. So you have a plan of action. I know the president respects you. I, I would consider picking up the phone. Um, but um, I can't coach you because you, I have, you have to go because I've charted most of your career to this point, and at one point I have to take my hands <laughs> off the seat. Okay, well, Andy? Brian, uh, w- I mean, we don't have to keep this our little secret, you know. <laughs> I know. I mean, listen, you just tell them. I mean, you got to fight. Democrats will be fighting. If it's 1% and it's the presidency on the line, I'm fighting for it. And if the president is anything, he is a fighter. So – 
we're looking at what's happening now in Michigan where the president was once up uh, a lot. And, and now he watches that wilt away and no one's going, you know, as he went to bed last night or, or went to bed for a couple hours last night. And I watched him make a speech at 2.30 in the morning. And he said something I'm sure Andy McCarthy wouldn't have supported that Chris Christie didn't support. And this is it. And it is cut five. For the good of this nation, this is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? They did. Chris Christie reacts. Cut seven. There comes a point where you have to let the process play itself out before you judge it to have been flawed. And I think by prematurely doing this, if there is a flaw in it later, he has undercut his own credibility in calling attention to that flaw. So I think it's a bad strategic decision. It's a bad political decision. And it's not the kind of decision you would expect someone to make tonight who holds the position he holds. So your serve, Andy. Here we are. I told you everything that we know. It's active right now. They're counting ballots. It's you go to our website, you see it changing by the second. What do you do if you're the president and want to stay the president? You do what you say, well, but can you – but you got to mount the strategy besides that, besides Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, I think uh, – you know, look, I think the president uh, – Governor Christie is right uh, that it was a you know politically and strategically dumb thing for the president to say last night in the heat of the moment. I also would stress here, Brian, it was a dumb legal thing to say because the Supreme Court – is the master of its own docket. Uh, and what I mean by that is, as you know, you and I have discussed for a, a couple of times over the last couple of weeks that the Supreme Court should take this case. They have the choice whether to take a case. They're not required to take a case. And by making this more thermonuclear last night, that is not – look at – we're in a situation where Roberts obviously doesn't want to take this case in the first place. And what the president did last night turns up the heat. And if there's a way that they can avoid taking it now that it's even more controversial than it was before, he's got the the president has to worry that the court will figure out a way to duck the case. And remember, they don't have to expedite it. They can let it play out. They can say, look, um, you know, there's a petition for us to review the case. Under the normal rules, the other side has to respond by November 25th, and we'll just see what happens. They don't have to expedite Andy, this. So I, I don't think the president's doing himself any favors by making this a hotter number than it already was. And it'll quickly go out of the news cycle. We know that for sure. But listen to this, Andy. In a matter of hours, you might have a few of those states, uh, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, maybe one of the North Carolina. They, the, Joe Biden might be like, listen, I've seen enough. I, I won. How does that change it if he goes out and declares himself the winner and the president? Well, Brian, isn't it a straight, it's a straight question of math, though, right? I mean, it's does he get to 270 and is it a solid 270 or is it um, a squishy, dubious 270 that we really won't know until it's certified? That's really what it comes down to. 
do you have to beat if you're if you're working on his legal team? Do you have to beat him to that punch in that announcement to to avoid the impression that you're being a sore loser? Yeah, no, I don't. Well, I you know, look, the politics is different from the law. What I would say about this is that it, the same thing I've said to people who have asked about, you know, what about Trump saying he won't accept the result of the election or not saying that, you know, that he won't uh, endorse the peaceful transition of power and all that other stuff they say. In our system, we don't leave it to any office holder to decide whether he won or not or whether he gets to keep his power or not. This is something that gets worked out in the system, and it would be nice if everybody who's involved in this endorsed the system. It would be nice if both Trump and, and Biden came out and say, you know, look, we have confidence in the process. Let's just see how it played out. Uh, Trump is not wired that way. But whether he, become, whether he remains president or not is going to be a function of how these states count their ballots, how they canvass them, how they certify the results. And the results really have to be final by December 14th, because if they're not, at that point, a state would risk losing or forfeiting its electoral votes, which no state is going to want to do. I'm not saying I think it'll take till December 14th to work this out. But what I'm saying is by operation of law, the states will certify their results by December 14th. So we will know whether President uh, Trump is going to stay president or we're going to have a President mm -hmm. Biden. And it won't be up to either one of them to decide that. Right. Uh, we know because that means we won't have a president by Thanksgiving, which is fine because we're not going to have a Thanksgiving. We're told not to. Uh, meanwhile, the president, we understand that Vice President Biden will speak around noon uh, when asked by our own Jackie Heinrich if he's going to claim victory. I was told, quote, expect a bullish tone, close quote. So I don't think he's looking to claim victory. I think that would be a huge mistake on his part. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, yep. We're going to need a lot of you, Andy. So, so it's not the impeachment. It's not the Mueller report. It is the Donald Trump's uh, re-election that has Andy McCarthy doing double time and getting even more famous. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, man. The show continues. Yes, it does. Uh, and you'll keep writing great columns on FoxNews.com and everywhere else on National Review. Uh, keep in mind, the president is losing the uh, the popular vote, but he's got more votes now than he did the first time around. 67% of the voting public showed up. That is awesome. That is good news. Uh, back with your calls, one 408 We're looking for a president, and right now, in stunning fashion, it doesn't look like the Democrats made any gains in the House. They lost some key races in the process. In the Senate, they expected to overturn and rock the country. They didn't. Although not all the die has been cast, I'll give you some of those results when you join me. Well, we're back right after this. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Republicans won two seats in the Miami area. They beat uh, incumbents. They beat Max Rose in New York. I'm not sure if that's officially called, but Republicans are quite confident that they've won that seat. They won a, they won a seat in South Carolina. Joe Cunningham got knocked off. They won a seat back in Oklahoma. I mean, just uh, by the way, I just want to make this clear, and this doesn't mean anything besides just making this fact, making this statement. Uh, Republicans did not expect this. Uh, they expected no. at best to keep their losses to 
single digits in the House of Representatives, but they did not expect a net gain of seats. And by the way, in a great sign for House Republicans, something they've struggled with, a bunch of women have won their races. That is a big deal for Republicans who have struggled with women in their ranks. And that is good news from the House, is just a rebuke to Nancy Pelosi and the billion, the millions of dollars that add up to over, over a billion to go right back to the Senate and, fall on, and grow their advantage in the House, and they didn't. And even Nicole Malatakis here uh, ousted Congressman Rose from Staten Island, and not many people saw that coming. Lee Zeldin, they attacked him with millions, and he was able to hold on on Long Island. And then it looks like Burgess Owens is making a surge over in Utah. So they're flipping quite a few seats. And on the, on the Senate side, it is fun, nothing short of stunning. Let's see if I can get a couple of calls in. Bill, listening on Freedom 970. Hey, Bill. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good. What's on your so mind? I just wanted to, hey, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm here in, between Portland and Salem, Salem being the capital, and um, I'm one of the minorities in my town of Woodburn, Oregon, and I'm surrounded by, you know, Biden signs and all kinds of stuff like that. So I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I think myself being part of the silent majority, um, we spoke last night, and I don't think um, our president should have conceded in any manner. Thank you. He hasn't. He's not yet, uh, but he hasn't. I uh, just got a report, too, that the Biden people expect Michigan to come in sometime in the afternoon. Uh, Kathleen, real quick on the Fox News Radio app. Kathleen. Hi. Hi, Brian. Uh, two quick points. One, all the states in contention are Democrat run. Number two, for years we announced the results before the polls closed nationwide. Say I'm in line. I'm voting for Trump. I'm in Arizona. I look at my phone. I say, oh. Trump just lost 10 states in the Northeast. I might get out of that line. I might go to dinner and say, Trump doesn't have a shot. Why can't we call the results after all the polls close? It's a thought. Uh, I think we do have that in mind at 8 o'clock. I I, I think a lot of people are upset about Arizona, that we called that pretty quickly. A lot of people are upset that it was upside down in Virginia, and we called it for Biden, even though he was trailing at the time. It seemed unnecessary. Jason, listening online in Kentucky. Hey, Jason. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Just just want to get your thoughts. In, in Kentucky, uh, Amy McGrath spent $73 million over the Democrats did to try to unseat McConnell. Does that kind of spending yep. bother you like it does me on these Senate yes. races to try to throw a- Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the money's unbelievable. You had uh, $103 million to beat Graham. They got crushed. Uh, $90 million uh, to beat McConnell. They got crushed. $24 million to take out Cornyn. They got crushed. Joni Ernst, they tried to destroy her. She was trailing in every poll, and she won handily. Susan Collins has never won and been leading in a poll. It looks like she is gliding to a win in Maine. All the money and the deceptive polling, that bothers me. As Frank Luntz, the pollster, said, polling is dead. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here, coming to you from New Jersey, right across the harbor from New York, uh, and heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, historic day, the day after the election. 
that shocked everybody. It shocked so many people, even though the presidency is still up for, uh, up for debate, and we're going to go over the polls that are just coming in now. Uh, when you see the Senate, not many people thought that the Republicans would hold the Senate or even keep it close. Not only does it look like they are, they picked up seats. They picked up the Alabama seat, which was predicted. But John James is also has a slight lead still in uh, slightly still over in Michigan. And then Joni Ernst managed to come back and hold on to her seat in Iowa. And it looks like Susan Collins all but certified to hold on to her seat in Maine. And then when you look down and see Tom Tillis with a three-point lead, he declared himself the winner already. And Senator Perdue is, has over 50% of the vote, which means not only does he win in Georgia, he actually does not need a runoff. In terms of the presidential race, uh, Martha McSally did lose, so the Democrats pick up a seat there. But it does not look like Senator Schumer will be majority leader. Mitch McConnell, they spent uh, $70, uh, $70 million to get him out. He won handily in his Kentucky race. And he has to feel good if he can keep that majority and somehow be a backstop. Because Nancy Pelosi lost some of her advantage in the House. She lost some key races. It's got to be humiliating for her. But when it comes to the presidential race, it's 238 to 213 in favor of Joe Biden. What has happened lately? Well, uh, as the night wore on, more and more absentee mail-in ballots were counted. And it looks like that dominant lead in Michigan has dissipated. It's now 0.8% away. And then in North Carolina, it's 0.1% away. In Wisconsin, the president's now trailing. In Nevada, he's down by just one. He's actually surging just a little bit. In Georgia, he still leads, but that is somewhat in jeopardy. In Pennsylvania, it seems commanding, but there are a lot of ballots yet to be uh, to be counted, which makes the Biden team think they're, they are ready to win. They think they're going to get Wisconsin today, and they think they're going to get Michigan, and they basically are going to go out. They think that they've won this thing. I think that will be a huge mistake because I think the president will challenge that, uh, and, and we're going to talk to one of the experts on that. So here's why I believe the president's still going to be uh, fighting. Cut five. For the good of this nation, this is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? George Terwilliger joins us now, partner of the law firm of McGuire Woods, served in the Justice Department, including as Deputy Attorney General and Acting Attorney General, and was all over uh, the, uh, the, the deadlock, uh, the Gore, uh, Bush v. Gore uh, 2000 election recount over in Florida. Uh, George, welcome. Uh, it looks pretty good. It looks, uh, looks kind of uh, challenging for the president. Do you, does he have a legal case? Well, that remains to be seen, Brian. Um, but, you know, as um, I wrote about a month ago, I think um, the, the potential for there to be uh, a legal case or legal cases which will affect the outcome of the election are very high and even higher now that we have the election results that we did. I think what's interesting, though, is to put all that into context, particularly in regard to the Senate races you were just talking about. I think as we look back on this election, we're, no matter who wins the presidential election, um, given what's happened in the Senate and to a lesser extent in the House, I think this election will be seen overall as less a referendum on President Trump personally um, and more 
um, a referendum on a choice between traditional values, including respect for for order through law, um, versus the trend to a socialistic state. I think you know the United States is a government. America is the country, and I think America is resoundingly rejecting that idea. What that will do in terms of the presidential outcome remains to be seen. Um, there are some important legal issues that will require courts to straighten out. 0.3% different over in Michigan. The president needs Michigan and Wisconsin, but he certainly needs North Carolina uh, and Georgia in order to keep his yeah. election, re-election hopes alive. But this is pretty phenomenal when you think that the forces against the president, when you think the Mueller report, when you think about impeachment, when you think about the pandemic, basically blaming him for the uh, loss of life and the virus the Chinese bestowed on the world that's affected 189 countries, when you think that he decides after getting the coronavirus to single-handedly put this election on his shoulders and compete like he did with 15 events in 72 hours, and before that was basically the same. Hours after getting out, he was planning a, a live event. And basically, he's at the doorstep here, and the Republicans aren't being repudiated. Actually, they're being reinforced in the House and Senate to a degree, George. Absolutely. There's no question about that, Brian. And um, I think that's one of the reasons that um, we, we really need to take a breath and let the, the legal challenges play out. I mean, the Pennsylvania case um, that the Supreme Court sidestepped and that John Roberts kind of kicked the can down the road is going to boomerang back into the court. Um, as long as the, the difference in um, these segregated ballots that were not postmarked by 5 p.m. on Election Day, they're being set aside. Um, if, yep. if those ballots make a difference one way or another, um, I, I think there's a 99 percent chance that eventually the court will rule those ballots have to be excluded um, from the count because the state legislature did not authorize the extension of that deadline. A state court did, which does not have the authority under the U.S. Constitution mm -hmm. to do so. So so if you're George, if, if the president says, hey, uh, George Twilger, you're going to be a part of my legal team. Uh, you're looking at these 1% losses that are coming in late in Wisconsin, Michigan, and North Carolina. But I, he's still leading in North Carolina. He's also still leading in uh, Georgia by 10 points. So it's significant. So having said that, what do you tell the president if he says, George, what, what kind of case do I have? What do I do? Can I at least get a challenge on this 1%? Can I get a challenge on the Wisconsin 1%? Uh, you know, the, where the where the state election laws, Brian, permit a recount based on the marginal difference between candidates, you can certainly get a recount according to to state law procedures. And I expect, you know, one or both uh, camps will probably um, engage in that um, in, where it is that close. Why not take advantage of what state law is there? But I think for the bigger picture, Brian, um, this is going to come down to Pennsylvania. Um, if, if one side or the other wins Pennsylvania, there's some other things that have to happen, like Georgia, North Carolina, uh, that you mentioned. But I think the real action will be in Pennsylvania, and that's where the, the most stark uh, legal case presents itself that was before the Supreme Court, that Justice Alito, uh, I think, quite rightly said we should be deciding that case now 
so as we don't invite chaos. One of the things that's important, and I think this may be what the president was referring to in some of his remarks last night, um, not only did the, did, did the state court extend the deadline, but it totally, out of thin air, made up a new rule um, for how you know whether a ballot is past the deadline or not. And it said if there is either no postmark so or an illegible postmark, um, then we should we should presume that that is a, uh, a ballot that can be counted. There's no basis for that in state law. The state Supreme Court basically made that rule up. Um, that is not what... Um, the, the the law, the Constitution of the United States um, allows. And the Supreme Court actually decided that over 100 years ago in, in a case called McPherson versus Blacker, which figured very prominently in um, right. in the 2000 recount in the Bush versus Palm Beach County Supreme Court decision. George, I, I think the, the Trump team should call you. Have you talked to them? <laughs> Uh, you know, Brian, I talk to a lot of people. <laughs> they're they're oh, doing very well. Kind of be well. a little slippery they're, there. They have, they, so they're, did, they're doing really well. Um, they have some great lawyers. Um, and uh, the brief that they filed in the, in the Supreme Court in the Pennsylvania case it hits all the right points. Looks good. Gotcha. And, and I understand that. But it might be if it's more – if he needs more than Pennsylvania, is it worth it? Well, they say, listen, you, you lost. Uh, you lost Michigan. You lost Wisconsin. Well, my point to you, George, is should we should you go to the booth to to revisit Michigan because you don't believe you lost by one percent? Should you revisit uh, Wisconsin? And let's be honest, every state, maybe uh, maybe exception one or two, is dealing with a plethora of ballots that came in at a velocity they'd never seen before. So it goes to without saying that it's logical that some innocent mistakes could have been made that could decide the presidency. So how do I pitch that? How do I pitch that? And let me just read you what just came across from the Trump campaign. Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien and senior advisor Jason Miller just held a a last-minute press call. They are confident in their pathway and in the math, they say. They say Trump can win the key battleground states, including Arizona, despite being called for Biden if all legally cast ballots are counted, close quote. So I did not think that he thought that uh, Arizona was in play because I thought that was four points. But I know he was upset at Fox for calling it too early. You know, it's, I don't even know who's doing that at Fox. I don't even think Brett Baer knows. Uh, but they called that early. <laughs> so I just want to put you into that mindset. If you're on the Trump team, what is he saying? Well, I, I, I'll answer that question this way, Brian. Um, by quoting uh, one of Joe Biden's principal advisors and, and my old friend, Ron Klain, who was on the other side when we were in Tallahassee in 2000. And the refrain then from Ron and his entire team was, count all the votes. I think that is the answer here. Um, Mr. President, we need to make sure all the votes get counted. The question becomes, what's a valid vote, though? Um, and and some of that, um, as you say, innocent mistakes can can be made, um, yeah. and and intentional mistakes can sometimes be made. But having court cases, uh, there's nothing wrong with. There's no shame. Um, in going to court to make sure that only valid votes are counted, but that all valid votes are counted. That that should be the standard. 
The president used the word fraud. He, he jumped the gun. He was definitely emotional. But I just laugh at the yes, fact that people true. on other channels are going to use this opportunity to say, I can't believe how inappropriate the president is. Really? Where have you been for four years? You've been saying that every day, nine times an hour. Uh, meanwhile, Ben Ginsburg <laughs> said this, just let every vote be counted. I know you worked with him before, very respected uh, uh, GOP attorney who sometimes rolls his eyes at the president. But uh, he's a fighter, and it doesn't make it – I don't see him giving up on something that obviously means so much to him and for, for the most part to the country. He took out yeah, – I mean, uh, let's just be – but take off your legal hat for a second. He went ahead and did it again in Ohio. He did it again in, in Florida by a greater margin. He did it again – and it looks like he, he did it again in Texas by the same margin when they said it was in play. Arkansas, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Missouri, Indiana, Kentucky. He went ahead and did it. Only this time, George, no one's saying that the Russians gave it to him. No one's saying he's illegitimate. He won and did it again. The question is, will he go all the way over the finish line again like he did in 2016? It's at least up for debate. But don't you think to a degree, we're not at this point yet, it legitimizes 2016? Absolutely. Uh, it absolutely does. Look, the president, there's a lot of people that, that roll, as you talked about, ben, my friend Ben, um, who occasionally roll their eyes or sometimes uh, more than occasionally roll their eyes at some of the president's methods and means and some of the things he says. But the president resonates with the country. And that, this is what the pundits don't get, Brian, at all. I know. The president know. resonates with the country because he stands for values that are important to the American people. And when when you have the likes of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, you know, getting ready to appoint herself secretary of the Treasury and Democrats, you know, Democrats want to move to a more socialist society, not necessarily yeah. because they believe in socialism, but because it's politically mm -hmm. advantageous to them um, to have large government programs and be transferring wealth and handing out right. a lot of money. Um, so so the, the country gets it where the pundits don't. And um, whether they like the way the president uh, conducts himself sometimes or not, um, he, he is the chef that came into the kitchen to break some eggs in order to make the omelet we needed to have. And he got the numbers that McCain couldn't and Romney couldn't. And uh, there was exactly no – the blue right. wall was fortified. George, I couldn't put it better. In fact, you should have your own show, but I'm a little jealous because I recommend you that. You could oust me. And by the way, uh, speaking <laughs> of oppressive societies, uh, Governor Cuomo and Governor Newsom are uh, told us not to have Thanksgiving. So whoever said this could ever get out of control? Not allowed to have a Thanksgiving. Eat outside and six feet away with just a few people. Thanks, Governor. Appreciate it. Uh, that's what's at stake here. Uh, George Tuolu will find out. I, I'd feel a lot better for the Trump side if you were a part of that team. I'm going to see what I could do. Just name your price, and we'll see if we can get you a retainer. Uh, uh, George, I, I, thanks so not much. Not about money, Brian. Not about money. Good okay. to talk with you. Bye-bye. Same here. Thank you, sir. Uh, back with your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, these are live. We're giving you live results of uh, these battleground states as they come in, as well as the Senate seat, uh, as well as the Senate uh, uh, Senate. Uh, seats as well as the stakes. Uh, the president's going to be speaking at some point. We know right after 12, so will, uh, so will the former vice president. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. They know and we know that if we count all legal ballots, we win. The president wins. If we count all legal ballots, the president wins. And here's how. Um, State by state, Wisconsin, tight race. Within 1%, that is is recount territory. Um, Super tight race. We are monitoring the returns as we speak. It is within 1%. That is recount territory. Michigan, we believe, we know, there are outlying Republican counties still left to be counted. We are confident in a pathway that includes Michigan. President's going to fight to the end. Bill Steppian, who did a great job getting that campaign back on track through the president's virus and everything else and the controversy surrounding the president on a daily basis he, and the, uh, the Amy Coney Bryan uh, Barrett situation. He is uh, now uh, scrambling uh, because these battleground states are slowly slipping away, kind of. Not all of them, kind of. John, listen to WDBO. John. Hey, Brian. You know, uh, do you remember a few weeks ago we were hearing uh, the Democrats uh, saying that, that uh, I think up in Pennsylvania especially, it's like uh, they, they were saying on election night, expect to see Trump do very, very well. But then Mirage. the next day, yeah. remember all that? Yeah, and, and expect to see the, the, you know, the, the blue creeping in over and over. I just feel like these Democrats, they plan this stuff out, and, and they, they like to put together recipes for confusion. All of this mass mail-in well, uh, stuff. I would say this. It is pretty much agreed upon that the mail-in ballots, for the most part, were Democrats afraid of showing up Election Day. And most Republicans did show up Election Day. That we can agree on. We just got to find out what those ballots said if it's under 1%. Challenge them all. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Democrats in Washington are waking up to an abject disaster, and there's no other way to explain this. Forget the White House for a second. Republicans are going to net seats in the House of Representatives. That was on nobody's radar. They knocked off a whole host of incumbents. They have spent a quarter billion dollars probably, you know, even more than that, to lose to a host of Republican senators who they consider to be um, uh, in danger, Mitch McConnell, Jamie Harrison, um, John Cornyn, uh, Lindsey Graham. And uh, if I were a Democrat right now, I'd be, I mean, again, forget Joe Biden for a second. Congressional races operate kind of in a silo, and that silo is very messy this morning. And if I'm a Democrat, I'm looking to the top of my party and wondering what just went on. I mean, no matter who wins the presidency, Capitol Hill is going to be a mess. Jake Sherman of Politico, and that's important for you to hear. 
I've been saying, but I want you to hear someone on the outside. Just take a pause. Even though the, most in Politico, I find them interesting, but they lean left. You have to look around and come to that assessment. People are caught up in the presidency, and we're not sure where it's going to go. We do have some news on that. But when you plan on getting the majority, the question is, at what level, when will you get rid of the filibuster, pack the court, and make Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. a state, and maybe get rid of the, the electoral college? And the next thing you know, you don't even have the majority? Really? Why? Because in Montana, you said you were going to win. Steve Daines capped state by five points. Remember, you were going to beat Lindsey Graham. It was too close to call. Polls lied. Almost a 20-point win despite playing $103 million. In Georgia, it looks like both those seats and that state could turn blue. Really? Well, that's too bad because Senator Perdue, the sitting senator, has over 50%. Tom Tillis declares victory. He's up three. It's all but certified in North Carolina. McConnell, not touched, up wins by 20 despite them paying $50 million to beat him. And Joni Ernst, who led in one poll, one poll, wins six more years in her Senate seat. John James, in striking distance in Michigan, the, the chopper pilot, West Point grad, successful businessman, African-American conservative Republican. And in Maine, Susan Collins, who was toast, right? Never winning a single poll. Shouldn't she just concede? Wrong. It looks like she won. Tommy Tumberville gets the seat back that once belonged to Senator Sessions and beats Jones. So he picks up where Hickenlooper beat Gardner. That's good news for Democrats. And Kelly, the astronaut, beat McSally, the fighter pilot. So that's happened in Colorado and Arizona. But what you're seeing is that at 53-47, you're seeing right now 47-47. But you just heard what I said about just all but official. It will stay. And remember, Kansas is beginning to go blue. Well, Kansas, with victories by their candidate Cynthia Loomis uh, of Wyoming and Roger Marshall of Kansas, they win both. So good luck, guys. Uh, you spent a lot of money. You were sanctimoniously thought everybody wants to dump Donald Trump's party. Not only did Donald Trump almost win or about to win, but his party did great. Diane, listening on the Fox News Radio app. Hey, Diane. Hi, Brian. Thanks for keeping me sane in the morning. I love your show. Well, thanks for listening to the, this show, too. I appreciate it. So what's on your mind today? For a while, it looks like Texas was in play, but it wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I never really felt it was ever. I mean, I never really felt it wouldn't be red, but. Yeah, it's pretty disheartening that it got it's that close. It's just it it should not be that close. We're oil and gas industry. We're tons of small businesses. We're tons of farmers, and I, I mean, the biggest rodeo in the country is in Houston. I don't I don't understand how it's even close. I hear you, but Diane, keep in mind five to eight points. Uh, you yeah. get it. That was first. It was too close to call. Then you get five to eight points again. Keep in mind, you had a great governor, Governor Perry, who spent eight, 12 years recruiting companies from blue states. Yeah. And they've come here, many with their values. And I think Governor Rick Scott, now Senator Rick Scott, Governor DeSantis, and Perry, and now, uh, now the, his replacement, God, these governors have to stop with recruiting yeah. because it, it changes, it changes the, the, the sense of your state. What makes your state great as the conservative uh, I'll handle my life on my own, stay out of my stuff, and I'll watch your back because I care about my neighbor. That attitude is going as all these upstart companies come in. It helps your economy, but it doesn't help your state. Thanks, Diane. Uh, and keep in mind, too, 
It wasn't just Jake Sherman of Politico who says this was carnage and a bloodbath for Democrats. Casey Hunt, MSNBC, cut 28. There was so much data, and all of it, the internals, the externals, all, all of it, were pointing to something much different than what we saw play out across the map. And this district-level information gives us a real sense of, you know, the degree to which Democratic hopes for a sweeping, commanding majority across the map, a rebuke of President Trump, just didn't materialize. I mean, when I was talking to, to Hill sources, and again, both sides of the aisle going into last night, both sides were expecting Democrats to pick up probably between five and eight seats. And both sides suggested, well, if it's a really good night for Democrats, that number could be in the double digits. Nobody was talking about Republicans actually gaining seats in the House. And while we've got a long road to count all the votes on that level and to make the calls here at NBC, it's likely that at the end of the day, Republicans are going to pick up some seats. It's crazy. It's crazy. Remember, when Barack Obama left, he lost the White House, he lost the Senate, and he lost the House. Donald Trump, the most controversial, daily controversial president we've ever had, and I think one of the most effective, who was running into headwinds every day, if not impeachment was the Mueller report, now the pandemic, everything was drama. And and they hated him so much, the American people said, yeah, I watched that. I'm not that upset by it. In fact, uh, I have him in the doorstep of a victory. However, here is some sound that we got more from Bill Stepien talked about the president, the current president's path that still exists to the presidency in a conference call. The audio is not great, but you need to hear this. Let me walk you through the math and why we have confidence in Pennsylvania. If we have seen the same splits uh, to this point um, with the remaining ballots to be counted in Pennsylvania, assuming that Philadelphia goes 95-5, uh, towards the Democrats, and the rest of the state goes 75-25 in favor of, of Joe Biden, the president would lose Pennsylvania by 50,000 votes. However, we believe the ballots that are remaining will exceed the splits we've seen to this point. So that's uh, Bill Stepien talking about the need for Pennsylvania and how he's going to get it. John Roberts joins us now outside the White House. Great job last night as usual. Uh, John, the president went to bed before 2.30, anyway, before he made his speech. I think he felt really good about Georgia, felt really good about Michigan, felt really good about Wisconsin, felt really good about North Carolina. Um, one by one, they tightened up, and in the case of Michigan and Wisconsin, he's, he's now trailing. How is he handling it? Well, clearly he's not happy with it. I mean, he's tweeting about it uh, this morning, uh, you know, tweeting about Michigan votes, saying, what's this all about? Uh, The president also suggesting, says, how come every time there's another dump of these mail-in ballots, they're so devastating in their percentage and power of destruction. So he's watching these mail-in ballots come in because those are all being counted now, and they're going against him. We're just uh, listening to an official in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, saying that only 50 percent of the mail-in ballots have thus far been counted, so there's still a lot more votes to come in. I'm not sure how, how Stepien, and I'm impressed, Brian, at how quickly you turned around the audio that I said <laughs> just a little while ago. Uh, I'm not sure where Stepien you. gets this, this Eric, idea yeah. of the split being 70-30 uh, in, in the mail-in vote as opposed to 75-25. Uh, I mean, obviously, they've got some indication that that's what the split is, but they're saying that if if all the legally cast votes are counted, 
that uh, the president will win Pennsylvania by 40,000 votes and will win Arizona by 30,000 votes. I mean, it is true that these mail-in ballots have, have thrown uh, an, an unknown quantity into this election that we've never seen before to this degree. You know, we, we've always heard about you know military ballots coming in late and, and things like yeah. that. But this amount of mail-in voting, which is affecting the numbers quite dramatically, has never been seen before. And I, and, and I don't think people fully know how to account for it because it's the first time we've ever seen this. So, John, a couple of things. We had George Twilliger on. We had Andy McCarthy on. And it's very simple. This let's just let's say everyone's on the up and up. If you are dealing with a voter, six hundred one hundred sixty-seven million voters, sixty-seven percent of the country voted, and then you have this this unprecedented number of ballots coming by mail. It only steps to logic. There could be mistakes. The velocity in which these are coming out, the equipped, they have enough manpower, depending on the state, the precinct. You have to think a recount's coming, don't you? Well, certainly Stepien raised the idea of a recount in Wisconsin. Uh, the uh, Biden campaign uh, fired back to say recount or no recount, we're going to win Wisconsin. But but again, with this mail-in vote, you know, we've, we've gotten so used to after hanging chads and dimpled chads and whatnot, yeah. all of the ridiculousness of the 2000 campaign, you know, vote by vote by machine, where all of the votes are tabulated by machine and you get a printed out copy of that, but then they're all, all the returns are sent in. Every one of these mail-in ballots has to be opened by hand. That's why we see all of these rooms full of people, you know, they're sliced open by a machine, but then people actually have to take the ballot out and put it into a pile. And you're adding a human component back into an election that we haven't seen to this degree for a long, long time. And can that add into it a, a margin of error that could potentially skew the results? I'm not saying that there is, but certainly it's a question that needs to be raised. Um, I'm not quite sure what the Trump campaign meant by if all legally votes are counted, we want all legal votes counted, all illegal votes to not be counted. I'm not sure what they're talking about when it comes to illegal ballots, unless those are ballots that were spoiled or or signatures don't match on. Or, you know, there were some of these ballots that came in last night that had to be repaired, if you will, uh, copied over because they couldn't be read by the machine. Could mistakes have been made in that process? I mean, there are a lot of variables that we're seeing now as we're getting into the intricacies of counting this mail-in in vote that, that the Trump campaign believes could throw a lot of, 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 of error, if not outright manipulation, uh, into, into the results. John, you were looking at these polls. You were talking to your colleagues. There's got to be a degree that you thought the president had no shot. And then you see the way he comes back to win Florida, comes back to win Ohio, comes back ahead in North Carolina, and, and you know for a while looks like he was going to easily retain Georgia, but he does – uh, take uh, Texas, which everyone said was uh, was trending blue or at least purple. The only thing he really lost up until this moment is Arizona. And turns out Bill Stepien, according to this, he wants to challenge Arizona. On what grounds? Well, he, be he believes that there are still enough votes out there to give the president a 30,000 vote margin victory. Uh, if if all of the, quote, legal ballots are counted. But back to what you were saying about the polls, I mean, yeah. and I heard you talking about it this morning on Fox and Friends. It's like, do these pollsters need to find a, a new line of work, or do they need to do some serious soul searching? I mean, ABC News had a poll 
in Wisconsin out a couple of weeks before the election, which they showed Biden up by 17. I took a look yeah. at the poll and said, well, this is ridiculous. That's not going to happen. But but they publish numbers like that. And does that have an effect on the electorate to say, oh, it's lost? Why should I bother going out? Do the voters look at that and say, well, that's not true. I don't believe it. It's 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 startling to me that even four years after 2016, pollsters still have not been able to read the mood of Trump voters. You know, they say that they made changes, but clearly the changes that they made were not adequate. Uh, I'm going to take it another step. Are they looking to read or are they looking to lead? Are they sitting talking to each other saying they can't possibly like this guy in the White House? Republicans can't possibly think these policies are going to resonate with the American people. And at the very least, uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Sub Subconsciously, they don't expect what they got, which was it looks like Republicans are going to hold the Senate. And they, they made gains in the House. They spent $250 million on this campaign, probably more. And they got almost little. And they're still battling to see if they got the White House or not. At one yeah. point, they have to realize that maybe they don't know everything, John, about us, and they don't know what's best for us. Yeah, I mean, when you take a look at um, at, the, at the race in South Carolina, you know, how how much did uh, Lindsey Graham's uh, opponent spend? One hundred and four million dollars to lose significantly to Lindsey Graham. You know, the, the good it's thing amazing. that's going to come out of that is the next time Lindsey Graham's on Fox and Friends, he's not going to say go to lindseygram.com. But, yeah, I mean, the Democrats threw unprecedented amounts of money at a lot of races and, and lost them soundly. So, uh, you know, I, just, I don't know what it says about us as a nation or what it says about the ability to read the, the mood of the American electorate. But I, I will tell you one thing, though, that if, if America is divided now, Watch for the results of this election to unfold. It's going to make what happened prior to this look at child's play. <laughs> Every day you shake your head going, can, can it be more dizzying? Uh, and the answer you just gave yourself is yes. Uh, John, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You know, Great job you know, last you know, night as usual. You, you, you know, the, the lead singer of, an, of, a, of a Canadian heavy metal band named Lips once said in a documentary, well, at least we know things can't get worse. But if they do get worse, <laughs> <laughs> we're here. Uh, John, thanks here. so much. All right. Take care. All right. Uh, we're going to come back and take some of your calls, get your perception. one 408 Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want to share with all of you that Joe Biden is on track to win this election, and he will be the next president of the United States. We believe we are on a clear path to victory. By this afternoon, we expect that the vice president will have leads in states that put him over 270 electoral votes. Today, the vice president will garner more votes than any presidential candidate in history, and we're still counting. And that is uh, Jen O'Malley. She's running things for 
uh, for Joe Biden, and you heard how confident she feels. The President of the United States obviously is not going to accept that. You know him, and he shouldn't. Uh, he's, uh, he's leading in Georgia. He is neck and neck in Michigan. He is neck and neck in Wisconsin. He's neck and neck in uh, leading over in North Carolina. Uh, there's no way. Wesley, listen to WPTF in Wake Forest. Hey, Wesley. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Great, great show. Wonderful show on Election Day. Uh, I'm calling to make a suggestion. I'm agreeing with your statement that the media basically has lost all credibility over this election. Yep. And I'm suggesting a way to start to restore their credibility and a, a very topic, a topic that's very germane to what's happening today. And that is to start to educate the public about the rudiments of election security and how election security can be threatened, like the origin of the ballots, the chain of custody of the ballots, the authentication of the ballots. Those are very simple points that, that then can be taken out. Partisanship can be removed from those things so that any new legislative move or administrative move can then be evaluated as to whether it increased security well, or decreased You're it. right. Wesley, just real quick up against it, but here's, here's what I say. You're right. It would be great to see some packages, but you realize how different Philadelphia is from Charlotte, and that's the problem. Everyone does it differently, and some people suck at it, and unfortunately, they have a lot of power in their hands. Ones that got good, Florida got good. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. We have a busy hour coming your way. This one day after one of the most controversial, intense elections in our lifetimes, all of our lifetimes. And if you don't believe it, if you think it's rhetoric, just look at the turnout. 167 million people turned out. That's 67% of the entire voting population, which is just awesome. Usually we're hovering around 50%. And so many people, 101 million came out before the election even started. The people that walked up, the president by far had them. The people that mailed in votes or voted early in person, uh, they went for the vice president, which leads to what many people think is the red, red mirage coming through as so many of these states that seem to be in Donald Trump's column have faded away as of now. North Carolina getting tighter. Georgia getting tighter. Michigan, the president trailing by percentage points. Same thing with Wisconsin. And the president's looking to fight. We have uh, cuts from both campaigns who just had press conferences or or conference calls. And we know that Joe Biden's going to be meeting with the press. He's going to all but declare that he won. And I don't think Trump's going to sit on the sideline on that, especially after his tone last night. Cut one. It's also clear that we have won Georgia. We're up by 2.5 percent or 117,000 votes with only 7 percent left. They're never going to catch us. They can't catch us. Likewise, we've clearly won North Carolina, where we're up 1.4 percent or 77,000 votes with only approximately 5 percent left. They can't catch us. And, yeah, it's 50.1 to 48.7. They're counting more votes. Joining us now, to put it in perspective, Rich, as both camps are saying that they have a pathway to victory, is Rich Lowry. The bottom of the hour, we'll talk legally with the Jonathan Turley. Uh, 
Rich, your takeaway from the president's tone and the vice president's tone last night? Well, I don't think Trump should have said he won. Uh, I think what Pence put it more appropriately, which is that we're on the path to victory, which is basically what Biden said as well. And it's perfectly fine to say in these circumstances. And there's still a path for both of them. I think you'd rather be Biden at, at the moment, uh, looking at some of these, how these blue wall states are tilting. And it looks as though you know, we're still on pins and needles on you know, six, six states in this, this map. But it looks as though the likeliest path for Trump now would be holding Pennsylvania – you know, where he has a, a biggish lead, but you know, about a quarter of the vote still to come in, and well, that's going to be mail-in, and somehow tipping Nevada. Um, uh, otherwise, even if he went to Pennsylvania— Dude, I'm sorry. You, got, you, you, you broke up a little bit. North Carolina and Nevada? Sorry. I, I think he, he probably would need Pennsylvania and Nevada to, to get over the top because it, it looks like, assuming Biden holds Arizona— uh, and, and Trump holds Georgia and takes North Carolina. Even Pennsylvania is not enough uh, for Trump uh, if he doesn't win Michigan and Wisconsin. And kind of the, the key factor here, Bar, uh, Brian, it's this Omaha um, congressional district, which Biden has won and gives him one electoral vote. And that, even if, if Trump wins Pennsylvania, that makes it 270 Biden, 268 Trump. Whereas if he, if that, if Trump had held that one electoral vote, it'd be a tie. Potentially, which Trump would win in the House because uh, you vote by state delegations in the House, not by pure members. So that that is really a, looms large for one electoral vote. Um, so so Trump either has to eke it, eke it out in more blue wall states than just Pennsylvania, which you know you wouldn't bet on that, or or, or he needs you know somehow to flip Arizona back or or flip Arizona uh, Nevada back. And we'll see. He's within 1% in Nevada. I have not seen the polling when they're going to start counting again. But within 1%, within 1% I think, is possible. North Carolina also. We just don't know what's coming in. But I think if it's close, the president's going to, going to challenge it. You know him. He doesn't back off from a fight or a competition. And last night, making his statement that fraud probably was a, an emotional reaction. And I just love the way everyone overreacts to Trump still. Uh, Rich, big picture question, which you're great at. Here's a guy, the most controversial president in our lifetime, by far, who even has Republicans organizing against him. Uh, Admiral McRaven, General McChrystal, respected leaders in the military organizing against him. He has every media outlet outside the New York Post, Fox, the Washington Examiner, and talk radio against him. He was impeached, a two-and-a-half-year investigation Robert Mueller investigation, all against him. He's in a pandemic, and people, uh, his enemies are blaming him for the deaths of 220,000 people. And he's within striking distance of four more years. Yep. And he did the unthinkable in a year in which he was supposed to lose the Senate. He's got these Senate seats either maintaining or flipping in the case of Alabama and possibly Michigan. You know the path. You know how so many great politicians have their, their Senates blow up behind them and their House. Even their House was strong uh, yesterday. Have you put this together in your mind? It's extraordinary. One, I, I'm not shocked by it because I, I set out at the beginning of this election not to be shocked ever again. And <laughs> e even when the a lot of the national polls are saying it's a 10-point race. If you looked at the battleground polls and they, just the averages in the battleground states, it was clear they're all balanced, balanced on a knife's edge. 
And it could either be – it could be a Biden blowout you know, if they all tilted Biden's way, but Trump easily could get reelected if they tilted his way. And you know, he – Trump tilted enough of them um, his way that we're having this conversation now, and it's, 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 it's really close. But he went and turned out his voters in a huge way, and – you know, I, 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 um, I, I'm sympathetic to Trump more, more than most of the media, but I had a conversation with a top Trump guy like two or three weeks ago, probably at the trough, you know, shortly after getting COVID, maybe the week after he got COVID. And some of the polls, national polls, had double-digit Biden lead. And I was like, you know, how are you guys looking at it? And he said, well, we just had a call with our team out in the state, and they, they all say they feel better than they did in 2016. I was like, What? Are you kidding me? But there was something to that. They, they, uh, Trump's a powerful campaigner. The rallies obviously had effect. And the enormous investment they made in just a very traditional get-out-the-vote effort, door-knocking, phone calls, that was the right call. That was, that was more powerful than Biden just sinking all, all the money into traditional TV ads. The question, of course, is just will it be enough to get him over the top? And that, that's not clear. It's not clear. The other thing is, when every poll tells you that your candidate is terrible, mm-hmm. that he's the most unpopular president in modern history, when your opponent calls you a racist, a clown, and the worst president ever to your face, and you call him equally things back to him, you just think to yourself, okay, the American public is going to kick this guy out. But they don't. They don't want to. His crowds got bigger. They got louder. Yeah. They got more demonstrative between the... Un, the unorganized flotillas, organized at the grassroots level, not at the central yep. level. The flotillas, the caravans, the, they, they actually had garbage trucks going together. They had, uh, they had plows uh, out there. They had tractors, all for Trump. We've never seen anything like this. And now it's, yeah, and then we the, understand. Uh, go ahead. Another thing that's clear, clear Brian, is that every, everyone said the conventional wisdom, Trump's an idiot by just doubling down. On his base, you know what a fool. Who would do that? But it almost it got him close here, and it's basically the strategy that George W. Bush took in 2004. That was the the key insight of Karl Rove. One of the reasons why he's known as the architect was that he he figured no, it's it's a turnout election. It's not it's not a persuasion election. Mainly, it's a turnout election. And Barack Obama did the same thing in 2012. Barack Obama didn't take any in his any of his edges off. He didn't go tack to the center. He just figured he could turn out even more of his coalition, and he did. And tr- Trump did the same thing um, in this election. It's just it's just that it might not be quite enough because the, the 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 suburban turn against Republicans is a problem. And Trump Trump's path ultimately is it's too narrow. Even if he does pull it off this time, the the next Republican in 2024 needs to. Figure out a way. How do you keep those Trump voters at the same time? You know, you're not turning off all these suburban women. Which is half the reason why the Nikki Haley's, the Christy Gnomes, the Tom Cotton's, the Mike Pompeo's, the Mike Pence's went out of their way never to alienate Trump. Because right. if they, even if they, I'm not saying they don't like him, but they certainly respect the people that, that like him. And that's key. Yeah. And, so and, the perception shows, of the go ahead. Sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, this shows Trump's going to have staying power in the party. He lost by a landslide, and there's a bloodbath in the Senate, and Biden came with a huge head of steam, and Democrats made generational policy advances after this defeat. You know, Trump, you know, he's never one to slink away, but I think a lot of the party would have turned their backs on him. That's, that's even if he loses, that's not going to happen now. So we understand that uh, Mr. Stepien just met with the press 
and this is part of his conference call where he talks about his plan on maybe taking legal action to reconsider these states. And I'm talking about Wyoming. I'm talking about North Carolina, Georgia. And uh, he's also bringing in Arizona. Listen. Arizona first. We know that a final batch of mail-in ballots is being counted. We know that the ballots are counted sequentially, meaning that late arriving or uh, votes or, or ballots closest to election day are the ones being counted now we expect uh, we, we know and expect about half a uh, half million votes uh, are, are left to be counted and based on the math that we have been seeing as these late arriving ballots are counted uh, anywhere from from two-thirds to 70 percent of these votes are coming to the president Arizona will come the president's way at day's end Wow. And they were furious at Fox for calling Arizona, they thought, too early. What's your take on this? Is it the first time you're hearing this? Uh, I had not heard that clip yet. I knew they're, they're furious. But, you know, if, he, if he's right, Trump somehow flips Arizona his, his way, that's huge. Then, then Trump wins Pennsylvania and wins the presidency again. Yeah, and that is uh, the first one to flip anywhere. But Texas stayed the same. What about the lengthening the lead in Florida? What about the fact that uh, with Nate Silver, with the genius from 538, said two-point win for Biden in Florida? That's a little yeah. bit wrong. Uh, I mean, yeah, this well, is unbelievable. It's uh, Go ahead. Yeah, the poll- polling industry uh, obviously had a terrible night. And, you know, a lot of people already didn't believe the polls, given what happened in 2016. But no one's going to believe a poll ever again. And why should they? You look at Florida. You're absolutely right. Nate Silver's polling average had Trump down, losing Florida by two or three points. He won it by two or three points. You look at Ohio, Nate Silver's polling average, which, you know, a lot of people take as gospel, had Trump winning Ohio by 0.8 percent. I haven't looked at the, the final number in Ohio, but as of late last night, Trump was winning by 8%. That's just a huge yes. error. Huge. And, uh, you, you hey, just, Rich. Yeah. Uh, I just want to get to this big picture. What did they tell us? Trump win was a fluke. They told us the Russians helped him. It was Comey tell, dropping that story, opening up an investigation into Hillary. It was Hillary's uh, emails being exploited. It was the hacking of John Podesta's emails that went out there. It was the perfect storm. Hillary lost it. WikiLeaks played a role in it. The president uh, working with Russia delivered it. But we're seeing almost the same numbers four years later against the United Press and political field against him. Doesn't this validate more than ever his 2016 victory? Yeah, I mean, it shows that a lot of voters are bonded to him. A lot of voters um, like him for, for the message and for the issues. And then also, I think this is... This is an issue that kind of subterranean. It didn't get a lot of uh, discussion by the political pundits. But for a lot of voters, this was their one way. Finally, after everything that's happened this year, after the riots, after the cancellations, after all that kind of cultural insanity, it was their one way to send a message. No, you've gone too far to the left. It was, it was the one way to give a metaphorical middle finger to the cultural elite in this country and saying we think you're way too radical and way, way too hostile to this country. And I, I think that had to be an element of it too. 
Yeah, no question about it. So to go over it, in Georgia, it looks like Purdue is going to get over 50%. He stays. Joni Ernst, it looks like despite trailing in almost every poll, she stays. Lindsey Graham obviously stays. Mitch McConnell stays. Susan Collins looks like she's going to stay. Steve Daines gets to stay. Oh, they were telling us, Rich. Probably you. You got you hang out with all these people. They don't like me, uh, and I'm not allowed to hang out because Governor Cuomo does not want me having fun. So they're telling you all this. This is going to happen. It's all going to flip, right? And they were wrong. Final thought? No, no, absolutely. And th- this is this is a huge thing. We don't know who's going to be president yet. The next four years, we do know if it's Joe Biden. It is very very likely he's going to come in as the weakest president, new newly elected president. Ever that that I can uh, remember that any of us can remember if he comes in with a Republican Senate. I mean, his legislative agenda would be neutered at the beginning. Uh, it would mean the, the left would be uh, disappointed and angry from the beginning, and Republicans would have a good a potential of picking up even more in 2022. So holding the Senate is just a, a huge deal. I can't imagine a world in which Democrats were angry. It just wouldn't make sense. Rich Lowry, he's the editor of National Review and author of the key. Just one last one. John James, the African-American, incredibly charismatic, former vet, Republican in Michigan, is still ahead uh, up there. No one gave him the slightest chance to win, even uh, to my shame. Even I was writing him off, even though I love him. He's still narrowly ahead in Michigan. If he got over the top, there's no way Democrats – To quote – to quote Tucker, thank you for that. Uh, I did not know that. I should have brought that up. Uh, Rich, thanks so much. We're going to come back with phone calls. And then this guy named Jonathan Turley went to law school. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We got a mountain of debt. There's no way for the Republican Party to get the country out of debt. We have to work together like Ronald Reagan did and Tip O'Neill. I may be the budget chairman. It looks like we're going to hold the Senate. I promise my Democratic colleagues that if you'll work with me, I'll work with you because the debt is going to ruin the country. Yeah, well, at first we got to spend a little bit more with the stimulus package, and that's Lindsey Graham with a, with a really uh, impressive victory last night. He thought the president was going to win. It's not over yet. Steve, listening in WABC in Brooklyn. Steve. Yes, I'd like to draw a parallelism between the Democratic Party's functionaries' use of the word science in both polling, but also as they apply it to the coronavirus. It's the following. Polling is really just a they, – they, it's part of the field called political science, which is not a science at all. It's really a kind of hocus-pocus, and this election has revealed that it's very much like looking at the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Um, it has a different purpose, but it's not science, and I think the counter-counterculture should demand the political science departments change their name, as well as pollsters, as well as the television. But it is interesting that because it is not a science, that's the same thing that they, the um, medical experts, so-called, claim applies to the coronavirus. Follow the science, follow the science. Well, 
it's been very lean on any real science and an awful lot of politics instead. Good point. Thanks, Steve. Uh, let's go out to WRC and Gerard, Long Island. Gerard. Brian, I know you're up against a break. First thing is uh, Trump should keep his mouth shut. Leave it to the lawyers going forward. Don't alienate us. Just and the second thing, Tucker Carlson last night spoke for every one of yeah, us who used to love Fox. Right? Well, we all love Fox. So Tucker's the best. But keep in mind, we have Jonathan Turley next. We'll talk about the legal approach the president could take. Thanks, Gerard. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Can President Trump get to the Supreme Court? Well, of course... A lawsuit could be filed on whatever theory he concocts, and we've had a taste of what that might be, and he'll lose, and that'll be appealed, and then at the appellate level, he'll lose again, and he'll appeal and try to get the Supreme Court to hear his case. I don't know what that case is going to be. As I've told you, it's impossible to imagine it will have any merit. Uh, in fact, uh, it's, I'd have to say, laughably without merit. Uh, but if they want to push it up, push something up to the Supreme Court one way or the other, Presumably, they can do that. We're not worried about it. And that is Bob Bauer, a legal attorney, one of the part of the legal team for Joe Biden, talking about the, the chart and the path that the Trump team feels those they have to take. It's a legal path to get to 270. And they, they cannot believe that they were watching last night and they saw how well North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan were doing. And it since has reversed itself. They lost Arizona. They have... Uh, now they're neck and neck in, in, in Georgia as well as uh, North Carolina and Michigan, too. There's a lot of votes yet to be cast. And the attorney general of Michigan just was speaking yesterday how smoothly everything's going. But they're in no rush. So meanwhile, the president has got a legal team. They've been fanning out and looking to make sure that they have every opportunity to win. And I cannot blame them, especially when you see a. Uh, it's the presidency, the most powerful position in the world, number one. Number two, how much it means to the president of the United States as well. So they do have a pathway. They're not giving up. People are texting me saying it's over. Listen, you'd rather be Biden than Trump right now, but it's not over. Uh, I don't think at all. And I think that the, the other area in which you want Michigan, he, the president's trailing by 0.5. In Georgia, he is up. In Nevada, he is within one point. So if you can get Nevada, you can get North Carolina, conceivable to hold Pennsylvania, it is game on for Michigan, but you lost Wisconsin. It looks like you lost Wisconsin, but not if you challenge Arizona. William listen WMNC in South Bend. Hey, William. Hey, uh, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. A couple of things. What's the difference between a man and a pollster? Really not much. Neither one of them get it right, but they still have a job. Number two, um, I travel. I've talked to you several times. I'm on the north side of, of, of uh, Indiana, uh, Granger area, and we border Michigan. I traveled up to Michigan okay. last week. I traveled to Michigan on a regular basis. Last week, I'm traveling all along the west side, all the way up towards the, uh, along the lake, up through Harlem, back down through Grand Rapids, and all you see, and I mean these are rural areas, all you see is Trump signs. Trump, 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 for for him not to. I mean, when you look at all the things that you've talked about, Brian, as far as everything that he has to go against, how could you not 
question fraud? How can you not question that this thing is, is being stolen from him? And again, that's, those are very strong words, but you've got to question it when you look at all the other things that, that he's been against, from the Comey to people in the Democratic or in the Republican Party to, I mean, all the adversaries that, that he's had to face. So that's what I had to say, and I appreciate you taking my call. No problem. It's been unbelievable, the headwinds. They'll write about this for centuries. In fact, they write a book a month just about the Trump campaign and then the Trump presidency. Very few are complimentary, uh, but they write about them, and they, they seem to all sell. Thanks, Mike. Listen on KSEV over in Houston. Hey, Mike. Hi, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. I listen to your program every day. Uh, I've got two quick questions. Uh, I think the big picture here is just the media will not declare these remaining states that Trump is leading in for Trump because it denies Biden a path to win if he cheats. So a couple of vote counters will determine this election. Secondly, uh, I think the Democrats want this to go to the courts. So um, I hope Trump doesn't have to take it there, but uh, it just delays his win. So... uh, I think the polling has faded again, so it's really meaningful, mm-hmm. not meaningful and useless. Uh, yeah, now definitely. But, I mean, if, the, if I see polling start popping up on 2022, and I'm going to look past it unless you show me the math makes sense, and I need it for the layman because these experts who talk over our heads end up with egg on their face. Keep in mind, we just watched the attorney general in Michigan speak about the state of the race. Now we're watching the Georgia election uh, Attorney General, the, sec- the Georgia Secretary of State, to speak about the election and the sanctity of it. A lot of people are suspicious of it, and I don't blame them. But in the big picture, they were all wrong. They were all wrong about the Senate. They were all wrong about the House. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to combine to change this country around. And you guys said to hell with that, and I really respect that. George, listen on WDBO. Hey, George. Hey, Brian. I just want to Hey, hey, Brian, I just want to say hats off to the Democratic machine for being prepared this time, because in 2016, they were so overconfident in Hillary and the polls that they were caught flat footed and they were not able to respond to the to the uh, to uh, Donald Trump's uh, the forgotten voter. But but and so they had to rely on the uh, the bureaucracy and the uh, the deep state to throw some wrenches on him this time. He under the cover of COVID, the insurance plan now is, is these mail-in ballots that can have all these different dates and stipulations, and so you know. And they also in, they also put in a it also re, it also tells you why he didn't that Biden didn't go out in the campaign. He hid in his basement. He didn't need to. He didn't go need to go on the yep. campuses in, in, in his base. But he also he also installed a kill switch. Uh, the, the Democratic Party did, and when they went to, I'm from Florida, and when they saw Florida coming around and the 400,000, and they looked at those, those Palm Beach counties and these Miami, and the Miami, and they saw the turn, and then they went to Ohio and saw that. Someone said, "Okay, 2016 is real. Trump is for the people. We, this is not a fluke. It wasn't a Russian conspiracy. Let's pull this switch, and we're going to shut it down overnight. And these six places are going to catch up." And that's where we are this morning. So, I mean, a hats off. It's a to conspiracy them. theory. Um, but yeah, I don't give I them hats off. I don't see any plan yet except for they hired a legal team. They have done nothing except make a couple of announcements. They could have a plan. But I appreciate your input and I appreciate your advice. And uh, on behalf of them, I accept your compliment. So, the big picture is the House did not expand, the Senate 
expanded by a seat or two, but it looks like he won't get the majority. Uh, Jake Sherman uh, was on MSNBC, and he's talking about what Democrats are dealing with now. Even if Trump, even if Trump does lose, cut twenty nine. Democrats in Washington are waking up to an abject disaster, and there's no other way to explain this. Forget the White House for a second. Republicans are going to net seats in the House of Representatives. That was on nobody's radar. They knocked off a whole host of incumbents. They have spent a quarter billion dollars, probably, you know, even more than that, to lose to a host of Republican senators who they consider to be um, uh, in danger. Mitch McConnell, Jamie Harrison, um, John Cornyn, uh, Lindsey Graham. And uh, if I were a Democrat right now, I'd be, I mean, again, forget Joe Biden for a second. Congressional races operate kind of in a silo, and that silo is very messy this morning. And if I'm a Democrat, I'm looking to the top of my party and wondering what just went on. I mean, no matter who wins the presidency, Capitol Hill is going to be a mess. I agree. Here's what Britt Hume said. If Biden does, in fact, win, cut 27. If Joe Biden wins, in my opinion, if Joe Biden wins... It will be a benefit to him if the Democrats don't get the Senate. And the reason I say that is that Biden will be under tremendous pressure from his party's left wing to act out the agenda that he agreed to with Bernie Sanders. Biden, by temperament and instinct, I think won't want to particularly want to do that. Um, but he's not the strongest guy that ever lived. And and he <laughs> will be under terrible. If, he, if his party has control of everything, I think he'll be powerless to resist that. Well, that is Britt Hume putting into perspective, because if you have a Senate Republican, House Democrat, and then you want to do a deal, you, he knows, as well as anyone, you got to deal with the Senate. But I just don't think he's the same guy. He's angry. You challenge him. He snaps at you. Uh, we know he's a terrible candidate. He doesn't inspire anybody. He says the same dumb lines every single time. one 408 We're going to come back and wrap things up, give you the latest on the polls, and maybe be joined by Jonathan Turley. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. They know and we know that if we count all legal ballots, we win. The president wins. If we count all legal ballots, the president wins. And here's how. Um, state by state, Wisconsin, tight race. Within 1%, that is that is recount territory. Um, super tight race. We are monitoring the returns as we speak. It is within 1%. That is recount territory. Michigan, we believe, we know there are outlying Republican counties still left to be counted. We are confident in a pathway that includes Michigan. Wow. Uh, Michigan, Arizona, the president's team is not quitting by a long shot. They still think there's a pathway. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for the final uh, segment of this hour. one 408 7669 One thing the president brought up a couple of days ago is the 1776 education. He implemented it on executive order. Could be undone by a Joe Biden who doesn't care about that stuff. Uh, but keep in mind, if you ever want a history book, go to BrianKillMe.com. I got four. I'll be able to sign them and send them. Pete, listen to WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Pete. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Thanks for taking the call. I had, no problem. I had one suggestion. I think President Trump 
should commute the sentences of uh, of Devin Archer and uh, we got the other guy's name, Kumi, I think his name is Cooney. The two uh, right. business partners of uh, Hunter Biden, one's in jail, the other one's awaiting sentencing. Commute their sentences, Henry, and uh, they have to cooperate fully with an investigation. Then he should go to Attorney General Barr. At, it's been widely reported the FBI is con- right. conducting an investigation. And he should say, okay, do you have an investigation? The answer would be yes. Appoint a special prosecutor. I no longer trust the Justice yeah. Department. I know, but I, I, I trust the judge. I don't want another special prosecutor. It tortures the country. But thanks so much for your call and your patch. And Jonathan Turley, he's a professor of law, knows a lot of stuff, and he predicted we were going to have these problems when the Supreme Court punted on an opportunity to not delay these ballots in Pennsylvania. Uh, Jonathan, what do you learn about Bill? What do you take from Bill Steppe and saying he wants to reopen Arizona while actually pressuring uh, Michigan and Wisconsin? Well, when the margin is this close, it draws challenges. And there are a myriad of issues that have arisen in these states. Before Election Day, I said that the states I was focusing on uh, would be Nevada, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And that's not because I'm, I'm some legal Nostradamus. It's just that they met the three criteria for this type of analysis. They are they were states that were clearly going to be close. There are states that have their election uh, uh, standards. And then finally, they are states that have an unprecedented number of mail-in balloting or new systems that they are putting online. And they've proven to be the case We on all three of those conditions. So the ones, the challenges that, that at least I'm looking at most carefully are going to be those three states. Arizona, you have to, you have some ground you have to make up uh, in terms of the number of ballots that would have to shift or be nullified, but we're still not sure of the number of, of votes we're dealing with in Arizona. Interesting. I, I don't know what they're seeing, but it seems distance. It seems like five points. And what did Fox do? And you might know this answer. I don't know. What did Fox do? And what did they see that told them to call it earlier that outraged the Trump team? Do you have any idea? Yeah, you know, I think that the call was mathematically correct, but uh, politically uh, dicey. You know, the emotions are running so high. You know, the the people who do this at Fox are remarkably good. I have great sympathy for them because they're eggheads like me uh, who look at margins of error. Uh, ultimately, all of these state calls are bets, but uh, Arizona looked very uh, early on uh, as a, a state where the yield for Trump votes was unlikely to catch up uh, with the uh, vote, with the vote deficit. Now that may indeed prove to be the case. What I should say is that when we're talking about election challenges, we are talking about a type of legal triage. You know that we look at states where, a ch- in much the same way that those bean counters looked at it in calling Arizona. That as we do the same thing. That as we look at. Um, those challenges that are likely to or can 
uh, alter the outcome. And that means that we leave a lot of states uh, aside, even though there are voting irregularities. Arizona is one of those states that's still on my list, but legal <laughs> challenges tend to be marginal. You know, you can pick up yep. hundreds, maybe thousands, but not percentage points as a general as, as it's happened in the past. A couple of things. If you look at Arizona and don't get anything, can you do everything at once? Can you say uh, election commission? I am concerned about the results in Michigan. It's one point. I'm concerned about the results in North Carolina. Uh, it's one point. I'm concerned about Wisconsin. It's one point five. Can you have multiple offense? Oh, you, you definitely uh, take all three point shots uh, when you're in this mode. So the campaigns on both sides uh, are going to go to court. Uh, and they're going to use what are essentially placeholder cases. So early on in the election day, both campaigns made objections and challenges as placeholders in case that state proved to be potentially determinative, the, where it could actually result in the the final votes needed yeah. for uh, uh, the president. Uh, so they are going to challenge in all these states. It's just that what you're going to see now is – the winnowing down of the challenges to those states that would make a difference. I'm still not clear on Arizona if they can, uh, with these challenges, pick up enough votes to to, to flip it. The, the Trump people clearly felt that Arizona uh, was and maybe is closer right. than people have suggested. Have they contacted you? Uh, no, no, I have not. I've covered these elections since uh, before 2000, I, and, and um, I'm happy to to, uh, uh, to to stand here on the sidelines uh, commenting <laughs> instead of combating. But I have to tell you, this has the feel of 2000. I mean, I, it does. But on multiple uh, fronts, it, it really has that nasty feel to it. Last question. We, it looks as though that Joe Biden's going to do a mini I won speech. Would you recommend against that? Yeah, you know, um, I was critical of President Trump's comments uh, last night because I think that it undermines his legal team. That's not the first time that has happened. Uh, that is not what you want to be saying. Uh, you have justices, particularly uh, John Roberts, who are risk averse. And that type of rhetoric makes them less likely to accept cases. And Biden has to be worried about the same thing. Jonathan Turley, always great to have you on. Um, I know your fee is going to go up because of this whole election mess. We'll find a way. I'll cut it back to Allison's lunch stipend. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.